This episode contains discussion of abuse, mental illness, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Virginia Woolf was an English author and one of the most influential writers of the 20th century. She had an uncanny ability to put deep inner thoughts to paper. She wasn't afraid to experiment and encouraged her talented friends to do the same. Having lived through the First World War, Virginia embraced a new way of living and seeing the world. Though she lived an unconventional life, She left the world with some wonderful classics that transcend time. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. It is the waves that call to me, just as they have all my life. As a child at St. Ives until now, my tea has grown cold, as have I. The weather, like my mood, is impossibly gray. It is coming again. The madness that has settled its way deep into my being so many times before. I haven't the strength to fight it again. And over the past few weeks, I've seen that Leonard doesn't have the strength either. He's been a good husband to me. The best to me. His kind words and eyes. His soft voice and hands. He has given me a good life and has been a loving husband. He has never tried to wrangle me in, stifle me, snuff me out. Instead, He has tended to me as a gentle father or experienced lover would. He has given me smiles, space, and has helped me create when I no longer felt I could. Leaving him will be the most difficult thing, but it will be the most loving thing I can do for him. I can't say goodbye. No, there's no energy for that. Besides, he knows me as my dear sister Vanessa does. Just how much I care for them, how much their lives being wound and bound to mine have made all the difference. If I have ever written anything worthwhile, it has been because of their love, their nurturing, their goodness. Only when I'm well have I ever been able to fully express myself, to write my truth, to perfect a sentence. Any good, true sentences I've ever written have been at their hand, as much as my own. The world has always felt too difficult for me. Simple tasks are harder for me than it seems for others. I often wonder what it'd be like to be different, but that's a foolish thought. In reality, 
My reality, seeing the world for what it is, people for who they are, and myself as I am, have been both rewarding and brutal. The sound of water fills my ears, and I pick up a rock, stuffing it deep into my pocket. Then another, and another, one for every time madness has taken over, one for every time I thought about, dreamed about, this day. The weight of them in my pockets feels right, feels familiar. Haven't I been carrying them all my life? The water is cold, like the wind, and gray like so many of my days. I fall, allowing the soft waves to sway me back and forth. My temperature drops until I feel more numb than anything else. I've always known how this would end. No one can save me but myself. But now, this time, I don't want to do anything but surrender. Virginia Woolf was born in 1882 to parents Julia Duckworth Stephen and father Leslie Stephen. Her older sister, whom she had a strong but oftentimes tumultuous relationship with, was born in 1879. The large family of ten, including her step-siblings, lived at 22 Hyde Park Gate in London. The home was tall and narrow six stories high, and was dark and crowded with lots of art and furniture, which was typical of Victorian-era fashion. The family consisted of Virginia and Vanessa, their brothers Adrian and Toby, and their step-siblings Laura on her father's side, and older step-brothers George and Gerald, and older sister Stella on their mother's side. Both her parents had been previously married, her mother was married to Herbert Duckworth before he died, and her father was married to Minnie Thackeray, who died in childbirth. Her stepbrothers, George and Gerald, were 14 and 12 years older, respectively. George was sexually abusive to Virginia. She said, quote, I remember resenting, disliking it, and later discussed a dream in which she'd recalled the horror on her face in a mirror reflection after she'd been abused. He'd visited her room at night, and he would tell her not to be afraid. Because of this abuse, she developed a poor self-image. Things weren't all bad at their home, at Hyde Park Gate, though. The family spent a lot of time together. She'd said they created a small world inside a big world. The sisters even began their own family newspaper to record family happenings. 
Throughout life, Virginia suffered bouts of depression and severe anxiety, most likely the after-effects of the abuse she experienced as a child. It was her sister Vanessa who cared for her and nursed her back to health. This is until she married. Through her letters with Vanessa, readers sense her strong connection and need to be reassured and comforted by her. Vanessa almost stood in as a second mother figure for Virginia, especially after their mother Julia died in 1895. Virginia often wrote Vanessa first during anything of importance happening. She felt an impenetrable bond with her. In one letter she wrote, quote, And as usual, I thought of you. Do you think we have the same pair of eyes, only different spectacles? I rather think I'm more nearly attached to you than sisters should be. Why is it I never stop thinking of you? In 1881, Leslie, their father, found a summer home in St. Ives called Talent House. Virginia loved spending time there, and many of her favorite childhood memories occurred in their home there. But the idyllic summers didn't last forever. Once the home lost its sea view to a newly built hotel, the family didn't return. Its loss was deeply felt by Virginia. When Julia died in 1895, Virginia sensed life being lost. The homes the family shared had lost something important. Julia's spirit had been the lifeblood of their home and family. Without her, things were never the same. Virginia writes, quote, Talent House was full of her. Hyde Park Gate was full of her. She was keeping what I call in my shorthand the panoply of life, that which we all lived in common, in being. Virginia was only 13 at the time that her mother died. The girls were left to tend to their father. He was a kind and affectionate man, but he had high demands. Julia had waited on him hand and foot, and his dependence on her had transferred to his daughters. Leslie died in 1904 of bowel cancer. It was then that the sisters moved to 46 Gordon Square in London. The new home served as a new beginning for Virginia. She'd said, quote, everything was going to be new. Everything was going to be different. Everything was on trial. Their beloved brother, Toby, died of typhoid fever in November of 1906. He was only 26 years old. Two days later, her sister Vanessa agreed to marry Clive Bell. This dramatic turn of events sent Virginia spiraling. She and her brother Adrian had to leave 46 Gordon Square because that's where Vanessa and Clive were going to live. They moved to 29 Fitzroy Square and then to a home in Brunswick Square in the Bloomsbury District. Vanessa and Clive had an open marriage. Vanessa had a passion for art and would find her admiration of talented artists shift to love. She would even live with Duncan Grant from 1913 till the end of her life. Leonard Wolfe had asked Virginia to marry him before, and after Vanessa's marriage, she decided to accept. She was 30 years old when she married him. In 1915, Virginia and Leonard leased Hogarth House, and in 1917, they founded Hogarth Press. 
The couple would go on to publish works by T.S. Eliot and Sigmund Freud, and many, many others. Leonard thought that opening the press would help Virginia think about something other than writing her own works. Virginia had had an interest in bookbinding since her teens and had become good at it, so it only made sense for her to use all her skills in this new venture. The two decided they'd focus on a small amount of works that were experimental in nature and would likely not find commercial publishers. Virginia was hypersensitive to criticism surrounding her own work. After the publication of her books, she tried hard to keep a handle on her moods. She strived to be indifferent about what the critics thought about them. But like almost all creatives, critical reviews were difficult to take. She would often suffer from seasons of depression after the publication of her work, because she worried what Leonard would think and wondered what others would feel about it. The idea of sending her work to editors and facing rejection and critique would have been unkind to her emotional well-being. Opening her own press saved her from the endless amounts of rejection authors seeking commercial publishers received. They sold their books with a subscription. Group A would be people who wanted all their books, and Group B would be people who wanted to be notified of upcoming books and would decide which they'd like to purchase. Leonard had said that one of the reasons Hogarth Press was so successful was that they had no overhead. They printed most of their smaller works at home and only used commercial printers when there was demand for a large volume. It wasn't until 1921 that they moved away from subscription publishing and started selling directly to booksellers. Hogarth Press still survives today as an imprint of Random House. Later, Virginia and Leonard found Monk's house, and they spent long weekends there and would stay two months every summer. She'd said, quote, Monk's house will be our address forever and ever. Virginia loved France and enjoyed traveling, and her time in France was ideal. She said, nobody shall say of me that I have not known perfect happiness. Vanessa and Duncan spent a great deal of time in France soaking up the sunshine and the company of other artists and painting. Leonard, Virginia's husband, wasn't as keen on traveling as she was, so even though she would have loved to spend more time there, it wasn't really in the cards for them. Sunshine and water truly inspired her. She would eventually write The Waves, a long piece of poetic prose about six children growing up. One of the characters was modeled after her brother, Toby, who died young. When Vanessa read it, she said, quote, I should say you have found the lullaby capable of singing him to rest. Though Virginia loved Leonard, she eventually began an affair with Vita Sackhill West, who had an aristocratic background and was married to Harold Nicholson. Virginia was smitten with Vita, enough to write Orlando, a story about an aristocratic young man who becomes a beautiful young woman. She'd once written to Vita explaining that she sometimes preferred relationships with women, either platonic or otherwise, because of the depth of connection they were capable of. All of her life, Virginia's moods would flow like the sea. Vanessa, who had cared for her during her difficult seasons of melancholy before Leonard came, 
worried that the struggle would someday become too great for him. There were times when Virginia wasn't capable of caring for herself. She was treated from 1913 to 1915 with the milk diet in which she was forced to consume four to five pints of milk per day. She'd even tried getting teeth pulled, which was thought to lower the body's temperature and somehow relieved a depressive mind. She suffered from fainting spells at restaurants and had difficulty behaving normally in any situation during these seasons. The feeling of loss came so often to Virginia. Her mother, father, brother, her respected friend, Roger Fry, and her nephew, Julian. After Vanessa lost her son, Julian, to the Spanish Civil War, Virginia was the one who comforted her. She was able to empathize with Vanessa's profound sadness and help her through such a trying time. Virginia's own emotional struggles had developed her ability to truly sympathize. In May of 1940, war had been terrorizing England. It wasn't uncommon for Virginia to hear a bomb going off around her while at home. Leonard was Jewish, which caused the couple to grow concerned about the possibility of invasion and the horrible consequences they'd face if so. She feared she'd been sinking into the waves again a metaphor for depression she often used in her diary and writing. She worried that this time, her madness would take her. She tried to drown herself, but she wasn't successful. She come home, soaked and feeling defeated. But she tried again a week later. On March 28, 1941, she filled her coat pockets with stones and went to the river and was swallowed by the waves. She left three suicide notes, one to Vanessa. In it, she wrote, Dearest, you can't think how I loved your letter, but I feel I have gone too far this time to come back again. I am certain now that I am going mad again. It is just as it was the first time. I am always hearing voices, and I shan't get over it now. All I want to say is that Leonard has been so astonishingly good every day, always. I can't imagine that anyone could have done more for me than he has. We have been perfectly happy until these last few weeks when this horror began. Will you assure him of this? I feel he has so much to do that he will go on better without me, and you will help him. I can hardly think clearly anymore. If I could, I would tell you what you and the children have meant to me. I think you know. I have fought against it, but I can't any longer. Virginia The other two notes were left for Leonard. She said, I want to tell you that you have given me complete happiness. Everything has gone from me, but the certainty of your goodness. I can't go on spoiling your life any longer. I don't think two people could have ever been happier than we have been. Virginia lived a life full of highs and lows, always devoted to perpetually observing, as Henry James, someone she really admired, had once written. She left this world too soon, but she left it better. Her works have inspired many women, including myself. 
she loved and felt deeply. She believed in living a quiet, humble, but meaningful life. Despite her struggles with depression, she had found happiness in Leonard and her loving friends. In the end, the soul of her work, her wit, her brilliance, her voice, lives on. Fabled is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with research assistance by Whitney Zahar and music by Kevin McLeod and Epidemic Sound. We'll continue our discussion about Virginia Woolf in the next episode in which we take a deep dive into a room of one's own, one of her most beloved works. Fabled is an independent podcast made possible by listener support. If you'd like to support the show or check out our books, please visit fablecollective.com. As always, thank you for listening.